This is Agents Influence Podcast. And to get you to write more bigger accounts, we got to get you motivated. We got to build your confidence. We got to get you organized. We got to get you with a really clear plan. We got to give you skills. Selling is a skill. Too many people treat it as an art, and I'm okay with it being artistic. I mean, it's it's both art and science. But if you don't have the basic skill, then you go into the like those art galleries where you go, what 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 is that? Well, it's a painting. Yeah, but what is it? I don't know. It's art. Well, too many times sales processes are like too much like art rather than a machine. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Agents Influence Conversations with Jason Cass. I'm back with you. We're really kind of rolling through here as we've uh, been discussing a lot of things in in regards to sales, and I've been getting a lot of feedback, uh, good feedback. I always like feedback. You're always welcome to send it to me at jason at growprogram.com, also at jason at agency-intelligence.com can send that over to me and tell me some of your thoughts and even if you know of some people that you would like to have on but really you are right some of the emails I'm coming through we don't do a lot on sales I'm surprised I don't it's considered what I mainly do at my office anymore is train a lot of the producers in sales I'm not as good as this man but I have to admit that a lot of my strategies come from Mr. Randy Schwanz. Randy how are you sir I'm good brother how are you doing I'm doing good. Today, we're going to have the conversations on Asians Influence with Master Randy Schwantz, the New York Times bestselling author. I always love to just say that, Randy, and I know mm. I know you just got to love to hear it. You can't hear it too many times because a couple reasons. Number one, your book is awesome. Number, It's literally become almost the Bible to sales in the insurance industry, and, and that's great, but I know you as the type of person you are. It's just so satisfying to see people take the things that you've written about and execute them and change their lives. Am I right? That's right. That's, that's right. That's, that's right. That's the main gig. That's the main gig. Mm. Before we go further, Randy, are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? iPhone. iPhone user. Always been. Everybody in the family an iPhone user? Yeah, I mean, we've, with the exception of uh, a number of regular laptops, everything else is iPhone, 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 Apple, 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 Apple. Randy, when you're looking at winning and losing, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Yes. (laughs) Never had that answer. I like that. Yeah. I like them both. I mean, some people... You know, you're, you're, you I just hate to lose, hate to lose, hate to lose. And I hate to lose, but guy, it's, I mean, it's like, it's fun to win. It's fun to kick somebody's ass. It's fun to take the money away from the bad guy. It's fun. So yeah. I think that yeah, okay. I mean, for me, it's, like it's it. both, man. I like it. We've never had anybody answer that in all the podcasts that we've asked that question. So that's, that's good. Uh, mm. That's just you, Randy. Yeah. Everybody just goes me, one brother. way, you go the other way. And that's right. Cause you just yeah. tell it like it is life experiences. Hey, hey, hey. Last hey, have question. You ever, I, well, before you ask questions, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever looked up the word iconoclast? Oh my gosh. No, I didn't even know that was a word. It's the first time I've ever heard in my life. Well, I saw it the other day and, uh, I-C-O-N-O-C-L-A-S-T. Let me just look it up real fast. Iconoclast. Sure. And um, 
definition, characterized by attack on cherished beliefs or institutions. So huh. I, it never it never hit me until I heard that word, looked up that definition, and and to some degree, I feel like I'm a iconoclastic. I go against the grain. Almost everybody else is always talking about build relationships, quote the business, blah, 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 blah. And, and I'm sitting there going, come on, dude, there's a bad guy. It's called the incumbent. He's got your money. You got to get that guy fired and you better have a process to do it. Well, Randy, you know, and, and then the, on differentiation. So anyway, I, I kind of consider myself, if I was going to have a little subtitle, it'd be the iconoclastic. I like that. I like it. I've always fallen uh, Jim Rohn in a way. It says, find out what 95% of the people are doing and do the opposite and you'll be successful. Mm. And, I, you know, it was something he, I've, I've taken that since a young age. Last question. Go, Last Jimmy. question. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> Go, so, so last question. All right. All right. Get serious. He's got a question, ladies and gentlemen. He does. He does. He does. Because he does. because it helps it helps the listeners know who you are. Would you say that you've gotten where you are today or that you have landed where you are in life based on one or the other more? Skill or luck? Skill. I mean, the, 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 what they say luck is, is when skill meets preparation. And so like like many of your listeners. I've worked my butt off developing my skills. I've, I've worked hard. I mean, nobody knows this. I mean, they used to know. I used to talk about him. I talked about it a long time. But the reason I got into sales training is because I sucked as a sales person. Now, that's pretty, that's pretty reverse engineering because most of the guys who are doing sales training are the super gurus, hyper, hey, let me tell you how I honestly I built my own book of business and I was a million-dollar producer and I'm going to teach you how to be like me. Well, I'm not, that wasn't me at all. I was just the opposite. I struggled with selling. And so because of that, I had to consume 300 books, outline them, reverse engineer them, back them down, study psychology, try to figure out what the hell is really going on because I was really bad and I struggled. I struggled with rejection. I struggled with being courageous enough to ask tough questions. I struggled with what were the right questions to ask. I struggled with all of that. So, so I would say skill by and far, but it was a developed skill. It's not necessarily talent. It was work, 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 divide, break it down, deconstruct, rebuild it, try to find a better way to make it happen. Wow. I like that. I like that a lot. That is probably so opposite of what people probably think when they think of you. So that is so, what do they say? You know, sometimes I think they, I've thought of this recently, Randy, exactly what you're saying that so many times there's people in the industry right now, there's this little thing going on where a lot of agents are becoming really good at things and they're really discovering skills that they have outside of the insurance industry and they're helping agents. And there's agents on the inside that are saying, wait a minute, that person never really could sell great anyways. So why now are they teaching other agents? And sometimes I say, listen, the coach of the basketball team usually doesn't have a very good three-point shot. You know, he does, he knows the footwork of the post down low, but put him out there on the floor. He's not very quick. He's not very agile, but he's great at teaching. It. And I think it follows along the same line of what you're saying right there. Yeah. I mean, you, and, you, you know, and then other people, oh, it's kind of also funny. It's like, well, have you ever sold anything, Randy? Yeah. About $38 million worth of training. I mean, people uh -huh. didn't just buy it because they like me. So yeah, 
But, Good point. But there, there's no doubt. I never sold any commercial insurance, never sold a dime's worth, never will sell a dime's worth. It's not my interest. My interest is, you know, once I, once I kind of got my purpose clear in my own mind and what I enjoyed doing, then that's when the whole, you know, I, I mean, because it, it, to me, I see myself as a combination of a psychologist and an engineer. And so I use a lot of psychology and psychological principles. In fact, there, there's a great book, a guy named Chris Voss wrote a book called Never Split the Difference. He was an FBI hostage negotiator. And um, his, his, his book on negotiating is the antithesis of what everybody taught at Harvard and everything else. And, um, and yet what's, what's interesting when you're a hostage negotiator, your opportunity for error is 0%. You either get the hostage out or they die. So it's very serious business. And when, when I read his book and reread his book, yeah, he gets, he gets big time into listening and high, high, high levels of empathy and how to use empathy to have the, the perpetrator your counterpart, the hostage taker, feel understood. So they engage in conversation, talk about what they want, negotiate the thing out, free the hostage, all this sort of stuff. So when I look at all his principles in his book and I match them up to the wedge sales call process, I found zero conflicts. Compared to almost all of the traditional selling, which is you're trying to close somebody, you're trying to put them into a box, you're trying to make them pre-commit, you're trying to harness them all this sort of stuff. So anyway, a lot of psychology. And then the other part of it was engineering I, and I'm no engineer, but, but I see things in, in processes and I, I've, I've developed the, the kind of the skill of, of deconstructing or reverse engineering. And so when you put those two things together, that's, that's how, that's how I look at selling. That's how I look at prospecting. That's like how I look at goal setting and setting sales meetings and building sales culture. And, you know, that's, that's really the genesis of Take me uh, back wait, six or seven books now. about yeah. about where were you at? I mean, how long have you take us back to college, if you wouldn't bring us forward so we can get a little glimpse, because then I want to ask you about purpose. <laughs> well, college is easy. Can we cover that right now? Go Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday. And I was out. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Love it. All right. Take me off your list. We're, Podcast is over. No, it's we not. We only talk to college grads. No, we don't. We can't talk to I'm not a losers college grad. failures. I'm, oh, okay. Well, we have two. We have two I think I went. I think I went two weeks. I maybe three, and I just laughed oh, and I just just you said crushed me. Um, yeah, and I had taken like a semester off. I was one of those. Hey, I'm not going to go right out. And it was just like, yeah. like the third week, I'm like, who am I kidding? I mean, this is not Bob me, you know, this is yeah. not me. Yep. I'm, I'm yep. meant for something else. But anyway, so bringing it after college, where'd you go? Yeah. So yeah, like you, I, I was two years out of high school before I decided to go back to college. And the reason I did is because my little Porsche 914 caught on fire and melted one day on like July 3rd. And I said, that's a sign from God, go to college. And so I went down <laughs> and I went to college and then but, you know, it's, you know, like I said, three days. And then I was, I was in the construction business. I worked on the railroad. Uh, I was a laborer. Uh, finally got a job with a, um, a steel distribution company. Worked for them in, in Lubbock, Texas. Transferred to Dallas. And then worked for a subcontractor for, for almost 10 years up and down. Crazy times. And then by that point, I was about 30-some-odd. And um, 
had had read a lot of books, been to a lot of sales training, did firewalk twice with Tony Robbins, jumped out of a perfectly good airplane. And, and, and the, the reason I tell you about the firewalk and jumping out of an airplane was to test my courage, right? Was I a mouse or could I step up to it when the time came? That's why I did it. And to build courage. And then um, my wife, so, so I was working on a small advertising agency and doing projects and then started doing some sales training for some of our clients. And then my wife got pregnant and I knew I needed to make more money. So I kind of negotiated my way away from there and then I'm in business. And um, I was training anybody I could on whatever I knew. And um, I don't know, a couple of, six or nine months into that, a guy in Dallas that I was working with said, took me to lunch one day as an insurance agent. Of my first five clients, one was an insurance agency. And then this guy said, uh, I got some advice for you. And I said, what is it? He said, I think you ought to focus on insurance. So really, why? He said, I got three reasons. He said, number one, most of the training we get is technical. We don't get very much sales training. I like your stuff. I think others would too. And then he said, number two, you're not going to find any internal competition. Agency owners don't want to do this thing. They avoid it like the plague. So they need you. And then number three, he said, they make a lot of money. They can afford to pay you well. And so um, he told me about a guy named George Nordhaus, which I'll be forever grateful. And uh, I called George and George is the friendliest most entrepreneurial guy I ever met. Yes, he is. And he goes, hey, Randy. Yeah, he said, you know, write an article. If I like it, I'll publish it. And I wrote a, an article. I've, I've written hundreds and hundreds of articles. But this is the first one. I'll never forget it. It's called The the Buck Stops Here, The Art and Science of Doing Deals. And he published that for me. And I don't know, a bunch of agencies read it. But three called me and two turned into clients. And all of a sudden, now I had three insurance agency clients. And that became my niche. How long until you wrote The Wedge? Yeah, so that was in 92 when I started, and uh, The Wedge came out in 97, so it was five years. It was a great book. I don't think I read it in 97. I'm going to say it was probably around 03 or 04. I got in the insurance industry in 02, so I think it was right around then. And I read it because somebody had told me that there was a big talk at this con at this young agents meeting, and these two agents were arguing about it because one hated it and one loved it. Yeah. And the yeah. reason the guy hated it was he said it was too harsh and it's not the way that sales should be done. And the other guy was like, right. there's nothing harsh about it. You know what I mean? And so right. it, was, it was cool hearing it. And I thought, well, I got to read this. And so my personal inter interpretation was it was a little of both in the fact that if you weren't willing to change your mind on some of the things you were laying out, well, yeah, it was going to be seem harsh because it was different than what everybody else was doing. But if you could remain open about it, and it did, I can't tell you that you set my world on fire, but it 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 shifted my my focus on my direction of what I thought it to be. I said I heard a guy, and I said this on another podcast. His name is Seth Zaremba, and Seth he's out of Cleveland, Ohio, out of Zinc Insurance, and he told me one thing that I I'd never really heard somebody say, but he's so right. He said, Jason, I really couldn't sell until I realized that selling was a skill. And then when I learned it was a skill, now nothing could hold me back because he had been a welder by trade. And it's something mm. he didn't know anything about welding, right? But someone had taught it to him and he became a great welder. Um, once right. the collapse of 07 and 08 came, 
he learned his skill of insurance and, 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 and so it was really, really cool to hear that. Okay. So, so you've went through this stuff. You've, you've written how many books now? I think six, five, four. Yeah. Six or seven. Six or seven. Okay. And you know, just up there somewhere. It's, it's, uh, might spit out a couple more, but Randy, it was one thing that you said a minute ago. Well, not a minute ago, about seven minutes ago that I really think was interesting. I don't want to hit that. You said when you had discovered your purpose, this is something that I don't think anybody talked about. 10, 15, 20 years ago, maybe before the first I ever heard it was purpose driven life. That was, uh, mm. um, that was one of the first times, but were you to say you, your purpose, your why, and you, I can't remember the word you said, you became comfortable. You kind of settled in, you kind of knew who you were. When was that roundabout when you discovered your purpose? And now that we know a little bit of your, your history. Yeah, I don't, you, you know, it's, it's an interesting question and, and I don't know, I don't know. I don't know when I, I. I don't know when I consciously discovered it. I kind of know when I unconsciously discovered it, and it and that maybe sounds a little weird, but no, you know the consciously means you you got real clear on it. You wrote it down, and that's what drives you. Consciously, you think about it. What what unconsciously was, I, I I've always been one to try to figure out a better way in this environment of sales and sales psychology. I don't really try to figure out a better way to mow the lawn and other things. And so in the, in this singular environment, man, it's just, I mean, it's, it's a hoot for me to get up on the whiteboard, break things down, to get in role plays, break things down, to get into tough, badass, controversial sort of fights and role plays to kind of, kind of look at it. And all of that just, I mean, totally just turns me on. Right. right. So, when when I got turned on, I knew that's what I was meant to do and be. Gotcha. And that's good. That's good. The reason I ask that, Randy, is there's so many people out there that are looking for their purpose, looking for their why. They think they've discovered it, and then it changes. And it's just good to hear people like yourself who are who are very successful and 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 just understanding. And it's good just hearing you say that. That makes them know that, hey, me trying to analyze who I am and what my purpose is in my agency, you know, in my community and my family, all that wrapped together. That's why uh, I appreciate you uh, telling us that. That's good stuff. And I like the conscious and unconscious. So I think there's a lesson to be learned there, loyal listeners, in the fact that sometimes we're thinking about trying to write it down on a piece of paper and, and pin it up um, consciously when sometimes it is developing unconsciously and we just don't necessarily realize it. I think we just need to stop for a minute like Randy did be able to kind of recognize what I like what you said, what made you happy, what really got you going. That was, that was good. It stuff. turns you on. It's like, I was listening to Keith Urban the other day, Keith, Keith Urban in an interview with Dan, Dan rather, he, he started playing guitar at six years old. He wanted to play guitar at six years old. And so rather kind of goes, you know, he's talking about, and, and so I guess how, how he said it, but he goes, at six years old, you're not trying to impress the girls. You're not trying to impress other guys. At six years old, you do what you do because you love it. Good and that's when he started playing guitar, right? Good and point. so, so many things that we do, you know, we're, if, if we're not careful, we're doing it to impress others rather than to feed your own joy. And so, I mean, if I was going to get, if, if you asked advice, you didn't, but if, if somebody asked me advice, I'd sit there and just like, you know, when, when the day goes by, what are you, what are you doing that it screams? It's like, shoo, that was fast. God, that was fun. That was, that was easy. And then what are you doing when it's, it's not, you know, Dan Sullivan calls it, uh, you're, you're 
natural genius or something, you know, something, I can't remember what he calls mm -hmm. it, but it's, it's working in that area of genius. I mean, that little tiny spot where you're just really, 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 really good. And it turns you on. Mm -hmm. And that really becomes, I think for most people that, you know, that can, that becomes the essence of your, your purpose. Or if you build your purpose around that, I mean, a lot, like I'm no humanitarian, giving billions of dollars away to poverty doesn't turn me on. It'd be nice. Going to help somebody build a house, I don't really get, you know, I think it's the right thing to do, but I don't get cranked up about it. So, so when you figure out what is fun for you and it makes money and it contributes to other people, it's like, man, you ought to start really get conscious about that, write that down and discover and deconstruct it. Can I talk about deconstruction for a moment? Yes, please. Come on. Come on. Everything yes, you're saying, just let it roll, Randy. It's just, um, so long story short, I've, I've always been a deconstructionist. I just never thought of it that way. I used a different term called ladder abstraction where I'm reverse engineering, chunking down, breaking it down, breaking down what people do and all this sort of stuff. Well, there's another guy named Robin Sharma who he's written a lot of books, but he, he wrote a book recently called the 5am club. And so a client of mine sent me that, that, that book on about January 15th and I read it in about three or four days. And then I went back and reread it and took 198 pages of notes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And since January 19th, I've been getting up at 5 a.m. every morning with the exception. So that's six months, right? So a little over six months. Uh, I, I've missed maybe 10 mornings, but other than that, up at 5 a.m. And I'm writing things in my journal now. Never did that before. And I, if, if somebody, just like right now, if I heard somebody else saying this, I'd go, you're a freak, right? That's what I would say. <laughs> so I've become freakish and I, I enjoy being freakish in this regard. Getting up, it's private time. I get to deconstruct. I get to take my thoughts, break it down. And, and that's where, because I'm trying to, I remember Jason, when I'd, I'd go to a meeting, I was the youngest guy in the room and, and now I'm the, the state, the elder statesman in the room at 62 years old but I still feel like a kid. I feel like I did when I was in my mid thirties and forties. Wow. And, that's great. and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about at 62, how do I have the very best next 20 years ever? And so I'm deconstructing my future. So when I just get into this and passion and, you know, follow your passion, what do you really care about? What do you want? So many of us are going so fast. We never, we never state time to, to stop and think. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm thinking, I'm working out, I'm getting even more healthy than I've ever been. And I'm, I'm breaking down what this business is going to look like 20 years from now. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit NBS Brokerage dot com cast certified now what randy does and when you're re when you're deconstructing your day you're trying to deconstruct and look at projecting out your prospecting and your sales and and kind of target audience and and going after um, enjoying the niches 
what are some of the things that if a couple of things that an agent can start to think about that may be different than, yes, maybe against what, you know, everybody says, but, you know, just something that they need to think about to be successful in sales. And this person's, this person's been in the business about a year, maybe three years at most. And they really are starting. They're still broke as can be Randy. (laughs) They're still broke as can be, but what they're trying to figure out is, is they love this industry. They know there's a better way. They think they've got a little bit of sales training. What's some advice you could give that person? Yeah. I mean, the advice that I do give people like that is always start out with the end in mind. Covey talked about that a lot. So I think that even though you're broke today and you're struggling and you don't have much money, you still think about what you want it to look like at the end of your career. There's going to be some day when you decide to hang it up and how much, and, and, and maybe this sounds real greedy and stuff, but how much money do you want in that bank account so that when you hang it up, you never, ever, 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 ever have to think about money again. You just got this amazing freedom. So that's where I always start. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the stats are you need 22 times whatever you expect to live on the day you retire. So if you want a $100,000 lifestyle, you have to have $2.2 million. If you want a $300,000, I mean, a $200,000 lifestyle, you need $4.4 million, which sounds like a lot of money. But if you're a young kid, you still got a lot of time to go do it. So you, you get real clarity about that and reverse engineer it all the way back to now and get get clear about how much money do you, you have to build up your income so you can save X. And so one of the things that I, I I'm not uh, a big fan or, you know, where I think that most goal setting could be improved is that it kind of stops at new business commission written, or maybe a new business commission written, how many accounts you have to write, what's the advertising account, all that good stuff. And it's good stuff, but you got to go back for what reason? And I know that for me being a father of four kids, I had to make a lot of money to pay for cars, weddings, universities, and I mean, and and just the overhead and and club sports had to make a lot of money just for overhead. And so I see a lot of people that are making a lot of money or doing their best to make and pay overhead, but they're not really thinking about the bigger picture. And, and the reason I feel that it's so important to think about that bigger picture is that then it, it makes you raise your standards. It makes you raise your goals. It makes you play at a higher level. And so when it comes to people saying, hey, you ought to write bigger accounts, you ought to be telling them I'm going to go write bigger accounts. I'm going to write bigger accounts. I'm going to go define my differentiation. I'm going to go win stuff by BOR. I'm going to go build a huge book of business. I'm going to make a lot of money. And I'm going to save a lot of money, all that on purpose, not random. And so that's, that's where I'd start. Get really clear on what you want. And if that's overwhelming, just let it be overwhelming. Just like jumping out of an airplane is overwhelming, but go do it anyway. And, and, and accept the overwhelm part as you deconstruct, break it down. And whether it takes 30 days or 90 days, it doesn't matter. You break it down, you look at it. And then now you sit there and go, now I know what I want. I got to make enough money. So when I get through paying all my overhead, paying my taxes, and maybe having a little bit of fun, I'm saving fifty, sixty, sixty-five thousand dollars a year. And if I do that for twenty years in a row, I'll be a very wealthy person. And that's how I look at it. And all the other stuff, it's just things we can argue about. You know, should it be contractor? Should it be manufacturing? What should I come up with in terms of you want to you want to go quote on stuff? Go quote on stuff. I would I would encourage you to go. Used, I'd get great at the wedge. You'll just write a lot more business by BOR. 
You want your differentiation to be price coverage? Go do that. I encourage you to go do it. Make your your differentiation on what we call proactive services. You know, you want to go manage your stuff on spreadsheets? Go do that. I'd encourage you to go manage it using our I went agency growth system. I mean, we argue about all that stuff, but but that's all about the tactical things. What you got to get clear on is the big strategic thing. Why are you doing this? I like that. I like that. I really do because a lot of people will offer you tactics. And I do think, and I think the world is short on tactics. And I think there's a lot of what if and projections and theories. But at the end of the day, when your theory is about your life and your theory is about what you want out of the world, that's not a theory, right? That's something that you're, that's a goal. That's a, that's a purpose. That's, I like what you're saying. You, yeah, you got, and you, you, and then you, if you, I mean, if you really sort through it, this it's, it's interesting, you know, Jason, dealing with a lot of agency owners, you know, they they complain a lot about producers having become apathetic or lost their motivation or have built up a good book of business, they're making a good living, and they're not they're not they're not hungry anymore. And I'll, I always kind of ask them, say, Well, what have you done to get inside their head to to stir that hunger? And and the answer is generally not much. And uh and so then my next follow-up question is, well, how many of them are saving between fifty dollars and $65,000 a year every year? And the, the answer is always none of them, maybe one. I said, well, how many of them know they're grossly underfunding their future? Well, what do you mean, Randy? Yeah, I mean, and then I kind of go through the whole, just the math. I mean, look, I'm not making this stuff up, right? All you got to do is go get on the internet and go, depends on if you're 20, 30, 40, 50, just pick your age. And you know, you go at, at retirement, you need 22 times, or you can take 4% annually out of your, your, your fund. If not, you're going to run out of money. And who wants to have a crappy, who wants to work their whole life and then have a crappy after work life retirement? Who, well, why do that? Why, why not get clear on it now? So anyway, asking agency owners, they, 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 they don't do much. They're not getting inside their heads. And so, um, I know that these young guys are not getting a lot of influence in most cases from their agency principals. And so then they've got to become self-motivated, figure it out for themselves, break it down, create their own clarity. And it's, it's a great place to be. Hurts, but it's a great place to be. You're right. You're right. What are some proactive services when you, a lot of these agents out there hear about these broker of record agents who come around and will take the BORs. And they will hear about, well, you could do the same thing. And they always come down to proactive services. I hear something that you just mentioned. What are some proactive services? I mean, I understand also, Randy, I'm going to take a position here uh, opposite of you. You speak right. to a lot of big agencies. You And, and a lot of our listeners, 70% of the industry, the independent industry, is of about 7 to 10 people or smaller. Right. You've you've got these guys who have they have these little non for profit niches or contractors niches whatever and they're right. trying to do that they're trying to be different but they can't and they're they're thinking these proactive services are big time law firms or risk management and all this and how does that how does that little woman uh, you know and that guy and that uh, agency owner how do they get to understand that and use some of Randy's does it matter on that size or is it all the same tactics? It's, it's categorically the same. And obviously, small accounts have less quantity of need 
but they still have the same quality of need in the area of proactive services. So I just did a study in my database, my clients had written 6,224 wedges, 6,224 wow. over the history of the IWIN program. And I, I went and reviewed them and then there was 298 pages of proactive services because we, you know, within our system, we, we help people build out a wedge database. We help them build out their proactive service platform, all of that stuff. And what I can tell you is that you know, I did all that research and I finally came down to 43 that are real and pragmatic and actionable and all that sort of stuff that, and really the reason I did it, Jason, is because of the small agencies that struggle to use the creative imagination in that regard, thinking that they're too small, you know, so it's kind of a paradigm shift thinking that, well, you know, we can't afford some of the risk management platforms and that sort of stuff. And they probably can't, but so many of the things that, I finally broke it all down to our public information. It's just not hard to get or find or do. Now I'm not going to tell you what they are. If they want to know, they they're going to have to come to my workshop or become an IWIN agency growth system member. Fair enough. What I'm what I'm telling you is they exist in spades. It's a function of thinking differently and they they need to get out of their best they can, their little mom and pop mindset and say, we can't do that and get into that game and, and see what's beautiful about it. And I agree with you. <clears throat> I mean, my influence was, you know, the top 200 agencies in North America for a long period of time, but now I've probably got 70 agencies with two to five producers on my platform. And, um, you know, they're all looking to you know, grow the books, develop their producers, hire new producers, put them in, have high success rate and all that stuff. Write bigger accounts with confidence and write bigger accounts without having a quote on it. Now so, let's, so, sorry, Randy, sorry. I'm, I no, apologize. You're good. I thought you no, were it's fine. No, the reason I want to ask you more about your, your things, these, these, these things you're talking about. You're, so you you have the workshop, which I know about that. You have that a couple times a year. Am I right? Yeah. Four times a year. Four times a year. And then you now, I mean, and I did not know this. I'm really truly asking this because I didn't know. But you have now an online like members area platform, something somebody can subscribe to. It's ongoing. You have your own software now, something? Yeah, we built. So here's, yes. Yeah, okay. We call it the IWIN Agency Growth System. And the the challenge that I saw, and, and I'm not judging, I'm just reporting. Agencies have really struggled with, you know, this whole pipeline, CRM, call it whatever you want to call it. They've gone to the, the two biggest companies in the world and they've tried that and they've spent money trying to, trying to customize that with little luck and producers just found it to be incredibly clunky. They went with, they've tried the things that, you know, the, the single entry became the, the, the big, well, we, we can't enter it twice, you know, that it became that mantra. And so then they've tried the single entry stuff. But then they find out it's just a bucket. You put names in, you take it out. It doesn't, it doesn't help you do the things we're talking about. And what are we talking about? The goal setting. So, so when, I, when I went after it, Jason, I went after it with this intent. If you hired me tomorrow to run your agency, to grow your producer team, and you wanted to go take a hiatus to uh, Puerto Rico for six months, and you might not ever come back, what all tools would I want and need so that's easy for me to do, and I can do it in 10% of the time rather than 90% of the time, right? What all would I want and need? Well, so then I built a technology platform that's got the goal setting, the sales meetings, 
all the pipeline management stuff, the working red introductions, the wedge database, the written service timeline, everything integrated in one platform rather than having to go to six or seven or eight and having spreadsheets all over the place. Nice. And then we built all the training into it, all the training, the wedge, red hot, million dollar producer, uh, the grit, hiring, you know, how to hire for agency owners, how to run great sales meetings, everything, everything I got, it's almost like one big old huge smorgasbord of everything embedded in it for one purpose. And that is to help producers become wealthy. And the only way you become wealthy is you got to write more, bigger accounts and retain them. You got to write more, bigger accounts and retain them. That's going to be the secret you become wealthy, right? And then the agency principals need tools to help you write more, bigger accounts and retain them. And to get you to write more, bigger accounts, we got to get you motivated. We got to build your confidence. We got to get you organized. We got to get you with a really clear plan. We got to give you skills. You know, just like you're talking about the, the, the welder guy, selling is a skill. Too many people treat it as an art and I'm okay with it being artistic. I mean, it's, it's both art and science, but if you don't have the basic skill, then you go into the, like those art galleries where you go, what, what, what is that? Well, that's a painting. Yeah. But what is it? I don't know. It's art. Well, too many times sales processes are like too much like art rather than a machine. Right. So anyway, built all this stuff together. Boom, boom, boom. We help people install it, coach them up and keep our hands on them and keep helping them. That's, that's really 50% of my business right now. Isn't it so awesome what technology has allowed? You've been doing this since, you know, in the 90s, where if you wanted Randy, if you wanted some of your publications and your stuff, I mean, they had to go see you live. You had, or they had to pay you a lot of money to come into their agency and, or you had to write a big book, right? And then you had to sell it. And it was like, okay, I have all of these, these, this material, these, these instructions, all this stuff that you're talking about here. And that's what I love about the internet. I mean, so many things why we love the internet, but I love right. it how now we can have these member areas because I don't, I think the top people in the world, no matter what you're doing, if you're a marketing person, a salespeople person, there's so many people that have access or buy access to these, to these members areas, these platforms, but they don't use them, but yet they all want to be like the successful person. And they don't realize that that successful person has invested in themselves in platforms like the one you're talking about to, to, to gain the courage to jump out of the plane. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's good. That's why I love this stuff. It allows and us to help people better. I appreciate you bringing up the members area, but I, I want you to create a contrast between members area and what we have. <clears throat> I mean, I like, like most people I've, I've bought $1,200 subscription to, you know, how to do a better webinar or how to write better headlines or whatever. Right. I mean, and spent, that eight, 12, 1500, 2000, great, three grand on it. But in many cases, those aren't coaching programs. What ours is, is a combination of training, technology, and coaching. I mean, we, when they get involved with us, and this is not a commercial, I'm just saying, when they get involved with us, we're, we're, we're helping the agency principals install, implement, and, and our promise is measurable results. That's our promise. And so where people can invest or, or waste a lot of money on a, a member site, I mean, I've done it. This is more of a coaching program and we promise measured results and, you know, That's fair. we're going to help you get there. 
I'm glad you made that clarity because that that is true. Yeah. I mean, in members areas where we store the content of things that have already been discussed is things like that, which I mm-hmm. think you have. But yeah, actually teaching that and holding people accountable and and, and yeah, that's definitely. Thank you very much for for making that, Randy. I appreciate you coming on. I'm now looking right now, and we're at almost at 40 minutes. And uh, that really kind of blows my mind. That, once again, you said it before, you know your purpose and you know when, when things are fast and they're fun, you know? Well, I'll tell mm-hmm. you this, I mean, it went pretty fast and I think it was pretty fun. So uh, I think uh, it has a lot of purpose for our day and for what we're trying to do. I'm just trying to help agents. Uh, people. I really have no other game plan other than that. I was told back in 2012, 2011, by a couple young agents out in California. They said, Jason, the reason why you need to keep speaking is because you have the microphone and people will listen to those who have the platform. And and yeah. it's and it's bringing you, people like yourself, Randy, who are thinking to themselves, man, I'd love to talk to this guy or, oh, the little things. I'd love to hear him have a conversation with, with somebody I know. And it's them coming on and getting the true human voice of who you are because there's people listening to this, Randy, and you know this. There's people mm-hmm. listening to this that, like idolize you, right? And and the reason why I say that is not like you're some idol, like, oh my gosh, he's awesome. It's because your book or your training like changed their family tree. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. you're talking about here, you know? Mm-hmm. And that is the 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 love of it. It's not how many you sell on Amazon. It doesn't matter about that. It's uh they say in life, if you can help one person, if you can change one person's life, then you had a successful life. Well, I think that you've had a successful life. Not only that, if I'm correct, now hold me. I know you have one daughter that goes to Duke University who plays volleyball, or is there mm-hmm. two? Is there, what? Well, I've got I've got four daughters. The baby is now at Duke playing volleyball. That's right. <laughs> and then I've got one that works for Lincoln Financial, and I got one that's getting married August 10th in Southern California, and I got one that just moved from. She married a guy that he just got his. You know, you've heard of a. Uh, rocket scientist he's phd in rocket science basically and he just moved up to washington dc area and is working for a place that he's going to create rockets or something else. he's just brilliant wow anyway that's that's, that's my family yeah it's yeah cool. you do you do have a great great family you do i follow you on facebook especially when you and your wife parade around the world uh so it's uh it's good having you on the podcast i really do enjoy if there's more people that if there's people that want to say hey i want to take randy further where where should they go where should they look randy I think I think one thing is I do the million dollar producer masterclass about four times a year. The next one's August sixth, seventh, and eighth here in Cary, North Carolina, and then I think it's November in Plano, Texas. And so I kind of I, I generally kind of go back and forth between those two spots. So if you're a producer and you're really wanting to raise your game and really you know step into those things that you know is, is your potential, I mean, you're really really maximize it and build your wealth and that's something you want to do and then if you're an agency owner then i'd go to the wedge.net i mean that's my website the wedge.net and opt in and and let's talk about the i agency growth system as a platform to help you grow your agency and um, those are the two things i'd recommend that's awesome randy once again thank you for your time 
Thank you for everything you do for the insurance industry. We are greatly appreciative of it. We really, truly are. And I am very appreciative of you, loyal listeners. You know that I am. Um, I do my best to try to create great relationships with people like Randy Schwartz here, um, New York Times bestselling author. And I love saying that because he is. You can hear, you know, when Randy says that he had to discover courage by walking across fires or and jumping out of planes, and you can you can hear it in his voice. You can hear his uh, confidence. I think his confidence comes from the lack of, or not the lack, the total success that he's had. But it also comes from that purpose that we talked about in the podcast. When you just kind of, when you know your sales are set in the right direction, it's not about easing up. It's just about noticing things are fun and fast and, and, and you really turns you on as Randy says. So uh, to all you loyal listeners, charge forward, hashtag let's go, hashtag keep going. Uh, this has been Agency Intel. No, this has been Agents Influence Podcast, Jason, uh, conversations with Jason Cass. Be sure to tell me your thoughts, tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. I'm out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.